communicator, and I don't know that that's necessarily true. In fact, it's funny, when he said that the first time, I immediately just sort of shot my eyes over at my wife, and she gave me this look just like the, like the, mm, I don't know, some of you husbands probably kind of got that look before. It's like, I don't know if I've ever accused you of being like a good communicator, you know. Um, but it's, uh, it's funny. But anyway, anyway thank you, uh, Jason. He's not there. But thank you, uh, thank you, Jason, for those kind words. Uh, I am thankful to be here tonight. Um, thankful to have Pastor here tonight. I didn't think he was, he was going to be here. I had a whole joke written about him not being here and asking me to speak, but i got to admit that. I can't, I can't uh, use that now. Um, but it's, uh, it's just really good to be here. Uh, really happy for it. Um, you know, it's funny. I was, it's interesting. I was in a meeting today uh, at, at work. And um, there was this topic that came up that was um, that was uh, you know uh, new to me something uh, something new that was introduced to me that I'd never really heard about before and it was something called behavioral economics and show of hands has anyone ever heard the term behavioral economics no that's oh well, I got one person that's less than we're willing to drive the church van that's not a, that's not a whole lot of whole lot of people I'd never heard of it either. Um, so, but basically, this is this is the study of human behavior and why we make the decisions that we do. And so, I thought it was fascinating uh, whenever this company that we were talking to was was going through it. And, and and the concept is basically, you know, if I reward you or I pay you for something that you do versus I penalize you for something that you do, how does that change your behavior and how does that make you react and, and respond to that? What how, psychologically, how do you how do you respond to that? Or you know, sort of you know, said differently if I, or in a different way, if I put the vegetable on the middle shelf of the fridge versus the bottom shelf of the fridge? Are you going to be more likely to, to grab the vegetables and, and to eat the vegetables? Um, and, and I think it's interesting that, you know, it's one of the main methods that this company that we were talking to uses is something called nudging. And they use these little phrases or, or you know, it might be some language or it might be a packaging or, or just something to, to nudge or encourage you towards a particular behavior that they want you, that they want you to uh, you know, to uh, display or to do. And it, it's funny because, you know, I, I, because in sort of the little spiel and sort of the way they, they talk through it, they, they, you know, they fully recognize it's, it's people that, you know, their, their sort of target audience and who they're trying to reach are people who should do the action of whatever. They know what they're supposed to do, but they don't do it because they need some encouragement and they just need that little, just need that little nudge and they need that little push, right? And so, you know, when I was sort of sitting in that meeting today, I thought it was interesting because, you know, that's true, right? We all need that sometimes. We all need that, that little nudge. And it's easy, it's easy for us to get stuck in the rut of our day-to-day lives, right? You know, we go to work day after day. We come to church week after week. And you know, I, I want to be careful that I don't become so familiar with the things of God, right? Where my chair is, what my favorite songs are, the sermons each week. I, I want to make sure that I don't become so familiar with those things that I'm not familiar with the one who's the, the thing behind those things, who's the one behind those things and the reason why they're there and why we're here. And so I think sometimes we need a little nudge, right? We need a little nudge to get us back on track and get us where we need to be. And I'm thankful for a God who does that. And and who nudges me and, 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 and nudges me in the steps that I need to take. And I'm thankful for a church environment that does that and, and gives us little nudges because it's still our decision, right? It's, it's our decision on what we do and how, how we act and the steps that we take. But, but sometimes it's just it's helpful to have that, have that little nudge. So I don't know about you, but I, I want to improve. I want to constantly improve. And, and I want to continue to, to grow and to, and to be everything that God's called me to be and, and sort of take what that next step for me, whatever that is. And, you know, 
the, the, the current nudge or the current growth opportunity that God's been working with me on has, has really been in my response and my mindset to situations lately. So, uh, y- you know, if I have a decision to make, how do I respond to that? And, 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 and how do I make that decision? And am I, am, I, am I responding in the way that God would want me to respond? Am I responding in a way that he would be proud of? Am I responding with wisdom? And so uh, that's really what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes today is wisdom. And, and the Bible has a lot to say about wisdom and, and about why it's important and why we need it. And we'll prim- primarily be digging into, into Proverbs tonight and talking a little bit of, you know, uh, uh, from that book. And I love Proverbs, right? I love It's just jam-packed with these little nuggets of wisdom and insight that you can just continually glean and mine as you read through it. And I love it because there's 31 chapters and there's 31 days. And so someone simple like me can easily say that's a chapter a day. And whatever day I am or whatever day I'm on, if it's the fourth day of the month, I'll just, you can just read chapter four. And if you miss chapter five, that's okay. You can just catch it, you know, whatever day of the month you're on. And I'm, I'm easy and I'm simple, so I, I like that. That really, uh, that really helps me. But when, when, when you sort of dig into the words of Proverbs and, and sort of what Solomon has to say, he paints a pretty descriptive picture of wisdom. And that's really what I want to talk about is that description that he lays out and, and about whether that matches the picture that we have of wisdom in our lives. And, 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 and whether that matches where we are today and what we want to talk about. So match with wisdom is my title. And uh, let's jump in and, and, and see what it says uh, b- before we get started. So I, I don't, I'm typically very in, informal, as you, can, uh, as you can see and as you can tell. Um, but as we dig into the word, a, a key part of, um, I, but I'm going to have everyone stand while we read the, uh, the text right here, because we're going to get to this in a minute, but a key part of wisdom is acknowledging who God is and honoring him for who he is. So I don't want to be informal at all with how I come to God and how I treat God. So if you don't mind, would everyone please stand for the, as we read our text? And it's going to be quick. Um, it's going to be from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And it's Solomon writing here, and he says, My father taught me, take my words to heart. Follow my commandments and you will live. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing that you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. And uh, uh, verse 7 of Proverbs in, in another translation says, Wisdom is supreme. It's the, it's the chief thing. It's supreme. So acquire it. And whatever you acquire, acquire understanding. Thank you. You can, you can, you can be seated. Thank you for, for doing that. Um, wisdom supreme. It's chief. It's the, num- it's, it's, it's the, the number one thing that, that um, Solomon refers to in Proverbs and the number one thing we need to get. So, you know, he was referred to as the wisest man in the Bible. So, so I start to perk up whenever he talks about wisdom, right? Because I, I would think it's a topic that he understands and has a little bit to, to know and, and to say about, right? And the word wisdom, if you look it up in the Hebrew, actually means skilled living. It's the ability that we have to actively navigate our daily lives and respond appropriately to the challenges that it presents to us and brings to us. Because we do, right? We have challenges daily. We have decisions daily. We have relationships that we have to deal with daily, but, but it's up to us how we respond, right? That's really what God's been dealing with me about. How am I responding? Am I responding with wisdom in, in each of those situations, whatever they may be? And, you know, just to sort of continue to lay a little groundwork here, when we, when we talk about wisdom, wisdom is not knowledge. So 
let's not sort of confuse, confuse the two of those because knowledge is learning and instruction that we receive, but wisdom is how we actually apply that knowledge and how we actually use it. So, you know, it, just to sort of say it a couple different ways, knowledge constructs a house, but wisdom constructs a home. Knowledge builds the Titanic, but wisdom avoids the iceberg because it really doesn't matter how great the ship is if we can't steer it, right? If we don't steer it appropriately. And I really like how Billy Graham phrased it. He said, knowledge is horizontal, but wisdom is vertical. So we, we can have all the, the secular knowledge, and that's a good thing. I'm not, discounting, I'm not discounting secular knowledge, but we have to have vertical wisdom and how to apply it. And so knowledge understands God, but wisdom walks with God. It's not enough that I know him. How well do I know him? I, you know, I, I don't want to know of God or know of the things of God. I want to know him. That's what wisdom is. I want, to, I want to know him. And so, like I said before, I want, to know what's behind, I want to know him that's behind the thing, right? I don't want to know the thing. The thing is the knowledge. God's behind that. So as we dig into Proverbs, the, Solomon lays out these, these four distinct uh, types of people as you read through it. And, and he sort of, you know, paints sort of a picture and a description of each one. And there's really a lot to unpack about sort of the whole thing, uh, frankly, more than we really have time for today. But, um, but he really, uh, to sort of, sort of lay the context, I really want to talk about these four distinct personality types that he uses to set up the comparisons to wisdom and to sort of compare and, con- and contrast those. Let's, let's dig in each one quickly and, and see how uh, they compare. And because I'm in charge of the media team and because I'm able to abuse my powers, um, I've, I, I asked my team to uh, play a short little video that I think will help us lay the foundation as we get to each one of these and really sort of help set the context and the tone for each of these personality types. So we need to go ahead and play the first one. You got to hold out for the holy smokes. That's the best part of that whole video is the holy smokes. All right, thanks, 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 Jernita. So the first personality type is the simple. That's the first one we want to dig into, and the simple is someone who does not have knowledge and is void of knowledge on a particular thing or a particular subject. Um. Uh, it was iffy, iffy on how that was going to go over, so it sounds like it went over pretty well. So uh, <laughs> it, it says in Proverbs uh, chapter 1, verse 32, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. It says in Proverbs 22, The prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. 
So the simple is someone who doesn't know any better, right? They don't, they don't know any better. And we usually associate this with youth and with young people because that's true. Um, it, it says in Proverbs 7, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. And that's true because young people make dumb decisions. I know I was, I was one of them. Um, and, and you do what you think's best and, and you don't necessarily always know what's best, right? And, and, uh, and, and you tend to be somewhat naive because you haven't had the circumstances to sort of set the experiences. For, you just haven't had the experiences, right? Um, in the words of the, the great philosopher Taylor Swift, when you're 15 and someone tells you they love you, you believe it. Because it's true, right? You're, you're, at, you're at that age and um, they tell you they love And they don't love you, by the way. They're, they're, that's not love. That's something else. Um, but it doesn't just have to be youth, right? Experience is a great teacher. But none of us know everything we need to. And, and the reality is there's a little simple in all of us, regardless of our age and regardless of, of, of sort of where we feel like we're at. It's, you know, it's funny. My, uh, I don't know if all of you know my, my brother-in-law, Corey. Um, but he, Corey is one of the smartest people uh, that I know. Um, and if you don't know, you just ask him, and he'll, he'll let you know that. Uh, about whatever the, and whatever the topic is, whatever we're talking about, I, I love Corey because he always has input and feedback, and he always knows about whatever it is. Even if it's something he's never done before, he'll let you know his opinion on, on what that is. And so, the way I, so what I really take joy in, and you are getting to know a little bit about my personality from, from the last time and this time, what I really take joy in is when I find something that he doesn't know about, I like to mess with him about that, right, and really kind of give him a hard time about it. And so, uh, and so, you know, we'll have conversations that, that sound something to the effect of, you know, whatever the, the topic is we're talking about. I say, well, that, that's okay, Corey. You don't, you're just ignorant. That's all. You don't, you don't know. Because it's true. You're ignorant. You're void of knowledge in that particular thing. And the first couple of times I told him that, he, you know, he kind of looked at me like, you calling me ignorant? Like, I don't, what? But it, it's, it's true. He, and I can't get him with that anymore because he, he agrees. Like, I am. It's true. I'm ignorant in that, uh, about that thing. Um, but it's true, right? If we're, if, we're, if we're void of knowledge, we're simple in a particular area. And, and the truth is, everyone's simple until they're not, right? We're all simple until we're not. Because at some point, experience is a teacher, and, and, it, and, it, uh, and it cures us of that simplicity. And the, the cure is time, right? Um, well, not necessarily. It's not just time. Because just time isn't, isn't the only thing that cures that. But time plus experience does. So if you, you know, if you wanted to sort of expound on the words of the philosopher Taylor Swift, it doesn't just have to be when you're 15. If you're, when you're 25 and someone tells you that they love you, sometimes you shouldn't believe that either. Or when you're 35 or 45. Or, um, sometimes we have to have some experiences that sort of guide our way and, and let us know about that, right? Time alone doesn't equal wisdom. Time plus experience equals wisdom. So if you're simple... If you're new to a situation or a trial or a relationship, regardless of, of, of again, sort of whether you're youthful or not, um, do, don't do what you think is best because you probably don't know what's best. Um, but find someone who does and take their advice. Dig into God's word and, and see what he has to say about it because that's what the wise does. Um, and and God, both God and whoever's been through that is going to be more knowledgeable about that particular subject than you or I will, if we're simple. Okay, let's look at personality type number two. Go ahead, Renita.
All right. Thanks, Renita. Okay, the fool is the second is the second personality type that we want to go over today tonight. The fool is the person who knows better but chooses to do something anyway, right? And in some ways, we can forgive the simple because they don't know any better, but there's no excuse for the fool. Um, the fool has knowledge of what's right and deliberately does the opposite, and there's a, there's a defiance to that, right? And, and uh, you know, we're, we, this, this was sort of a, a funny take on that, but we all do some foolish things that are a lot more serious than that. Um, and the, the, the truth is that we know better of it, um, but we don't. Um, we don't use wisdom in those decisions sometimes, right? So the fool knows that I probably shouldn't do that thing, but I'm going to do it anyway because I want to and because it feels good. You know, the fool knows I probably shouldn't spend my money on that thing, but I'm going to do it anyway because I, I really want it and I deserve it. And the, the fool knows that those words will be harmful and hurtful, so I probably shouldn't say them, but I just have to get this off my chest, right? The, the fool says I probably shouldn't blank but blank. The butt is what gets you every time, right? Because the, the, the butt is where we sort of bring our, our selfishness and our, and our feelings into that. Uh, and, you know, because there's, there's always justification for it, and it's usually selfish justification on, on why the fool do, does what they want to do. Can any of you relate to that? I know I know, I can. I can relate to that. And the Bible has a few things to say about the fool. It says in Proverbs 18, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. So not only do they not do the right thing, but they have no interest in understanding and learning beyond what they already know to know what is the right thing. It says in Proverbs 12, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. It says in Proverbs 18, spouting off before listening to facts is both shameful and foolish. So listen before you speak, right? That's the, that's the moral of that story. Do we have any fools in the house? Any, any fools here? Uh, I know we probably each have a foolish story or two that we could share, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure I have plenty of them uh, that I could share. Um, but, but one in particular that sort of jumped out to me that I'll sort of tell on myself. Um, and and the, the thing about fools and foolish behavior is it, 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 tend, it tends to travel in company, right? If you surround yourself with other fools, um, they tend to drag you into situations that you don't want to be in, Right? Um, and I found myself in one of one such situation uh, uh, growing up. We so when I was uh, when I was young, uh, much younger, not you know not old like I am now. I said that joke last time, but um, the we took a choir trip, uh, church church choir trip. Yes, it was church friends, and um, and you know we were we were staying over at, at a hotel at uh, whatever city we were in. I can't remember. We were touring. Well, um, I don't remember what the girls did to the guys to start this, but I know it was their fault. I know they started the whole exchange back and forth. I do know that. Um, but I know that we got the last laugh and the last discipline as it turns out, but, but not to sort of rush, uh, too far into the story, but we, so, um, we had the bright idea that we were going to up the ante and get them back on, on whatever they did to us. I can't even remember at the time. Um, and somehow the bright idea was to get their room key while they were gone and go in their room, and it started innocent. What we were going to do was take silly string and just string it all over the room, which, which we did. Um, and I, I sort of copped to that. I, I participated in that. And, again, this is foolish behavior, right? Um, so, I, so I was a part of that and did that. Um, but somewhere along the way, I hear the bathtub running, and I'm like, that ain't right. Something, something is not right with this. I go and look. One of the guys had went through all of their suitcases taken out all of their undergarments, which is no, no, number one, 
put them in the bathtub, and then turn the bathtub on to get them all soaking wet. Um, so we got in a lot of trouble for that, as it turns out. Um, immediately, and, and if you've ever been a part of foolish behavior, you know there's that point where you're just like, uh-oh, that is not good. I, I was at that point right then. And I was like, I, why am I even here, and how do I get out of this situation, right? It was a whole thing. They couldn't go to church that night because, um, of course, they didn't have anything to wear. It was, it was really bad, and we really got in, in, in quite a bit of trouble for that. Um, there were... There were talks with the pastor over it, and uh, it was um, not one of my finer moments, right? Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, but uh, the moral of that story is I was a fool. Um, and it's always better to share a story from when you're young because then it doesn't look like I do foolish things today, right? But in reality, I could probably give you five stories from this past week that aren't quite on that level, but um, if I really thought about it, we do foolish behavior on a weekly basis, right? Non-wise behavior on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, because if there's a little simple in all of us, there's a lot of fool in all of us. I think that's the, I think that's the reality of where we're at. Um, and there's cue for the fool, um, but we'll, we're, we're going to get to that in a minute. Before we do, let's, let's jump into the next, um, the next personality that we want to talk through. Let's look at this next one. The third personality type is the mocker. And full disclosure, I really had a hard time finding a good video for this that didn't involve violence or profanity. Um, but, you know, I guess it makes sense because what, as we get into the characteristics of a mocker, you'll see that, that really those two things are closely associated with, with a mocker. But the mocker is much like the fool, but he's like the super fool or the, the ultra fool. Um, you know, he not only knows better and not only still does the thing, but he's also vocal about it. Uh, you know, he's either vocal about the, about the fact that he's doing it or he's vocal about the fact that you don't need to do whatever the thing is that you're doing. So the mocker says, you still believe in the sanctity of marriage? Why? That's old fashioned. The mocker says, you, you still think and act and feel however you, you, you should think and act and feel however you want to feel because you should do what makes you feel good because that's your right. You shouldn't have to be accountable to anyone 
um, you know, let, let, let me tell you that, that, that the mocker is wrong because we will be accountable to someone, and we are accountable to someone. And, and you know, I, I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to sort of dive off into controversial topics. I'll, I'll leave that for, uh, for for pastor. But can I just say, is it wrong to say it feels like we have a generation coming up of mockers? Is that overgeneralizing to, to, to say that? I, you know, I know that makes me sound like the, the get-off-my-lawn kind of old man, right? Um, but, but it's true. And, and, you know, they mainly manifest in the form of these Internet trolls or the, sort of these Internet uh, folks that, you know, I, I don't really follow politics a lot, but I like to stay informed. And, and, and you know, I get these news feeds on my phone, and so I'll, I'll try to read through them and, and see sort of, you know, what, what, you know what's going on. And, and I've made the mistake of not just reading the article at times, but reading the comments, on those articles. Any, any of you ever read the comments or, you know, seen, seen that? I'm here for the comments, right? Um, the, you, know, I, you know, you find yourself 30 minutes later going down this rabbit hole of just hatred and negativity that, that you know, that, that's not even related to, to the thing that you're there for to, to learn about. And, and it's all just hatred and filled with, with, with mocking and scorn. And, you know, and it's a fine balance because, you know, we can't be so closed-minded that we shut ourselves off from our culture, you know, because what's a hot-button topic is important, and we have to know what's trending because, you know, that's, that, that stuff's important, and it's important for us to know that as a church. But we also can't be so open-minded that we're not grounded and established on God's Word and who He's called us to be as a church. So, you know, because we have to be relevant in this current time, but we also have to be real, God's Word is real. And, and, and it's our job to reach the world that's becoming increasingly skeptical and unbelieving and to reach them with that real world, word. So and how do we do that? We do that by wisdom and not by lowering ourselves to the world's level because it's really tempting to comment on those, on those comments and, and, and really try to set those people right. But the, but the Bible has something to say about that. It says, it says in Proverbs 29, mockers can get a whole town agitated, but the wise will calm anger. If a wise person takes a fool to court, there will be ranting and ridicule, but no satisfaction. And it says, it says in, verse, in verse 11, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Oh, that's, that's a hard, does that sting? Is that a hard one? To hold your anger back, that's really hard to do sometimes, right? Um, especially when the person really deserves it. Um, it says in Proverbs 26, don't answer the foolish arguments of fools, or you will become as foolish as they are. In other words, don't let a fool drag you into their foolishness, right? Because that's what they'll do. And it says in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 9, anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. So don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you, but correct the wise and they will love you. It's, you know, an, an, another version says, whoever rebukes the wicked will incur abuse because only God can cure their mindset because it's a mindset issue, right? Don't, don't, don't waste your time with that. It says, it says in Proverbs 3, God mocks the mockers but shows favor to the humble. And again, it feels like we live in a generation that, that challenges that and, and, and challenges norms and, and praises mockery. And, you know, I'm not saying that's all bad because there's a few norms that we should challenge and, and, and that's, that's okay to do. But we need a fresh dose of humility and wisdom as a church and as a society and as a nation. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the mindset and the, the attitude of a mocker is contrary to, to the wise and, and who the wise is. All right, so uh, the, the last personality type, uh, let's go ahead and play that video and we'll, we'll dive into that one to wrap these four up.
feel it in my head, and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me most, that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. So some of you have probably seen that before. Um, that brings us to the wise. Um, and I think it's probably arg- arguable whether he actually sort of displayed wisdom in that, uh, in that situation or not. Um, but the wise is what we all strive to be, right? There's, there, there's a lot to unpack in regards to what it means to be wise. Uh, the, the scriptures we already rent, went through actually taught us you know, about, a, about the contrast. I mean, in going through the contrast of the other personality types, it really kind of taught us about this already. So if you remember, we read Proverbs chapter 12 where it says, The wise listen to others. So the, the, the wise listen. That's, that's sort of one checkbox. And it says in, it said in Proverbs 9, 8, Correct the wise and they will love you. So the wise love correction. And, if you, if you, and, it, and it continues that in verse 9 where it says, Instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the, righteous, teach the righteous and they will learn even more. So the wise, they love correction. They seek out correction. And that's, that's really hard sometimes, right? Um, it, says in, it says in Proverbs 14, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. So the wise are thoughtful, and they value honesty, and they value atonement. It says in Proverbs 19, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. That's another stingy one, right? That's one, that's one that, that just stings. It, I know it did for me when, when I read it, right? So, it, it, so I don't know if you caught it. It said, the wise overlook offenses, and it says it's going to be to one's glory, to overlook an offense, like that, that glory word, the same thing that we use when we talk about uncut hair. That, that's, that's a, I know we don't like to put those two things kind of in the same sentence, it's, but it, it's hard to overlook an offense, but that's what the wise do. And, and, and there's weight to that and importance to that. All right, that, that didn't seem too popular, so I'll, I'll pretend, I'm sorry that, that it says that. I'll, uh, I'll move on quickly from that. But, you know, Honestly, I could probably stand here all night reading scriptures about the characteristics of a wise person. You know, but, but, but those of you who read Proverbs know that Solomon had a really unique way of describing wisdom, right? It's unique, unlike anything I've, uh, I've seen sort of in, in some of the other books. He, he personified wisdom. He, he put human characteristics on it or, or on her. It says in Proverbs 1, 120, Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. The city gate, at the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? 
So I don't know about you, but I've never really seen anything described in quite this way, right? And sort of this, this personification. And, and it's hard for me to treat the idea of wisdom as a normal thing because of the way it's described. So, so just to sort of try to explain, you know, wisdom is not like happiness or like peace or like fulfillment or any of those other things because it's not something I get. It's a state of being that I get to. So, you know, you know, stick with me. I'm not trying to get sort of meadow or sort of psychoanalytical here, but, it, but it, if it was like those things, then it would have been described like those things, right? And, and, but it wasn't. It was described as a person. And I think there's a reason for this because, you know, Solomon was described as a king most famous for his wisdom. And so I think he had something to say about that. We talked about that earlier, but it also said that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. So, you know, obligatory joke about him being wise, but having so many wives, I'll, I'll sort of leave that out. But, you know, he had a lot of relationships, right? And so he knew a lot about wisdom, and he also apparently knew a lot about relationships. And so I don't think it's accidental that he described wisdom in the way that he did in Proverbs. And I, I think he knew a little something about it. And so he personified wisdom, in, in, in my opinion, because I think he was trying to convey that wisdom wasn't a state that I get to. It's like a relationship. It's something that I continually work at and continually strive to improve and continually mold. Not, not something like a, like a state of being, like happiness. If that, if that, does that, that make sense? Is that uh, it's not, not uh, sort of missing the mark there? You know, because my circumstances change, and so I need wisdom for that situation that changes, and I have to adapt to that. Uh, it's not like happiness where I just try to be happy or I'm sort of happy in, in whatever happens. My wisdom has to evolve and my wisdom has to change as my circumstance changes. And so much like the circumstances of a relationship change, and I have to adapt to that. So, you know, said differently, I have to constantly learn how to be wise. And so, you know, sticking with, with sort of the personification that's been laid out for us, in order to obtain wisdom, I have to find out what wisdom likes, and I have to like those things, and I have to value what wisdom values, and I have to, you know, and find out what that is, and I have to value those things, and I have to appreciate what she appreciates. You, see, you, you, get, the, you get sort of the, the direction I'm going here. W- wisdom, it's a relational thing, and so therefore I have to have a relationship with her. That's how it's described in the scripture. And, and so I have to adjust how I, much like a relationship, I have to adjust how I act and how, and how I interact with wisdom in order, to become a, in order for her and I to become aligned and to be on the same page and to sort of be one. Does that make sense? I, I've, I've, I think it's, again, I think it's intentional in the way it's described because I think it's a unique interaction and a unique relationship to that. It says in Proverbs 3.15, she is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. So it says we should desire her. It, it, it puts it in that language. I'm not, you know, I'm not sort of you know, making this up or sort of extrapolating that. So, you know, Solomon, he paints this beautiful visualization of a personified wisdom and, you know, suggests that, you know, we, you know, we must do everything that we can to obtain her. And so how do we start? How do, we, how do we do that? Well, I, you know, as I said before, I think we need to be relevant as a church, and I think we need to be modern and, and, and sort of, you know, get, get with the times, if you will. So in an effort to sort of bring this story and bring this analogy into, into today's times, where would you go today if you were trying to form a relationship, right? You would go to Match.com. 
And so I asked our graphics team to put together a Match.com profile for Wisdom for us and to see, it just, and I know that's comical, um, but I just wanted to have a little bit of fun with it tonight. Um, and, and they did a great job if you sort of look through it as, as we get to it. But if you sort of stick with me on this analogy, and I know that's silly, but if you stick with me on this, wisdom has some traits and some characteristics that we need to understand and we need to really dive into and really know to see whether we're a match and to see whether what wisdom is and what we are are the same thing and whether those two things belong together. So, you know, I'm going to run through a a few characteristics to help us understand her a little bit better. Um, The first characteristic is she's honorable. So she's worthy. But so, and and by honorable, I mean that she's both worthy of honor and by living a life that is honorable, but she also gives honor to others. And so to honor something, that means that you give it value. And the, 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 the word honor in Hebrew is actually kabod, which, which actually means to give weight. So, you know, the opposite is to take something lightly or, or, or to not give weight to something that it deserves. So, you know, wisdom exhibits honor in two ways. She fears the Lord. So, you know, we hear that phrase a lot, fearing the Lord. And, 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 and you know, sometimes there's a, there's a misperception there as to what that is. And, and of course, you know, this isn't fear in the typical sense and sort of how we think about fear. It's fear in the sense of honor and respect and, and, and you know, I'm in constant amazement of who he is and what he's done. That's fear of the Lord. That's what fear of the Lord is. It, it's, it's what he's doing in us, in our church, in our community. community. It's recognizing that, and it's honoring that. And it's not, it's, it's like a while ago when I sort of had you stand. It's not taking him for granted and, and not taking what he's doing for granted. It's, it's honoring and giving weight to who he is and what he's doing. Because there's no one like our God. And no one like what he's doing. And there's nothing like what he's doing. My God is awesome. And so I want to stand in constant awe of him and what, and what he's doing. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the start. It's the start and the foundation of what wisdom is. And it all begins with a healthy fear and honoring of God. The second way she honors, she shows honor to others. So wisdom gives honor to others not because of what they deserve, but because of who they are. So, you know, you know, honor, you know, it, it, honor to others doesn't begin with how they've treated you. It begins with God's claim on them. So if I can say that differently, it's not how you see them or how I see them. It's how God sees them. And, you know, God can see everyone in their complete depravity and perfect dignity at the same time. He's got, he's got that unique ability to do that. And, and, and so we have to start to see others the way that God sees them. That's, that's what wisdom does. So, you know, she's realized that honor is not just for them. It's, it's really more of an effect on us and how, how we show honor to others. So that your boss, your elected leaders, your pastor, your parents, the degree you honor them determines how much you can get from them. And the, the best illustration that I've, that I've heard for this is, is when we go to court. And when, when we go into a courtroom, what do you do? You say your honor, right, to the judge. And you say that when you stand in the courtroom because you acknowledge the position that they hold, not the character of the person. So I don't know what that judge has done, but I honor him by, by, by giving him honor because of the position that he holds. And, and, you know, that's what God instructs us to do, honor those who deserve honor. And that's what wisdom does. So that's the first characteristic, honorable. The second characteristic, wisdom is content. She's happy with her current situation. So, you know, never have we been in a time in society where we've had more and enjoyed less. Think about the things you take for granted today. How different was that 10 years ago? You know, 
you had to drive to you had to drive to a video store to rent a movie. You remember remember those times? Remember remember that? Court and I we probably spent sixty percent of the time that we dated in Blockbuster. Not because we watched that much television, but just because it took us that long to pick out whatever the thing we we were, we were going to watch at the time was. But what what it's not just that, right? What about you know ten years ago? Did you? Did, did you have to wait two days for something to be shipped and be dropped off at your door through Amazon Prime? Did you, did, did, 10 years ago, you actually had to go to the grocery store and pick out the groceries. They, you, you couldn't sort of call them in and pick them up through the, through the drive-thru, right? Uh, we have virtually everything we need at the tips of our fingers, but we're unhappy and we're unfulfilled. And a big reason for that is comparison. You know, and I'm, I, I, I'm looking at what it takes to, to, to I'm looking at what you have. And that's making me feel worse about what I have or what I don't have. And the, the you know, sort of, to, to sort of put that in a phrase, you know, together, the enemy of contentment is comparison. And social media is a big contributor to this. I, you know, I've, I've, I've heard it said that, uh, you know, or you've probably heard it said, watching so, social media is watching someone else's highlight reel while comparing it to your mundane everyday. And that's true. Uh, you know, you're comparing their five-star meal to your bowl of cereal or their gym selfie with your couch selfie. I'm still on the couch part of that couch to 5K. I don't know if anybody's sort of with me on that. Um, you're comparing their international vacation to your trip to the mall, right? Um, and we can't help it. It makes us feel worse about ourselves, but we keep coming back for more. It's like social media is the new smoking, right? It's just addictive, and, and we, just, we just can't help. But, but, but keep going back. And I have social media. I'm not, a, I'm not a social media hater. I think it has its place. But it does give us access to people. And people can be really ugly. And, and so we have to be careful who we friend and who we follow because that stuff that they're saying really matters and it really affects us. You know, the stats say that if you, that if you spend 10 minutes or more on social media a day, it means you're less satisfied in your life. That's a, that's a crazy, scary stat. I, know, I, don't, I won't ask you to raise your hands if you spend more than 10 minutes on social media, but I know I do. Um, you know, we live in a, in a society that's just constantly feeding negativity to us, and, and it's constantly around us. And, you know, the, the advertising is, is I know I, I sort of come from a background in marketing, so I know this is true, but, you know, a common tactic is to convince you that what you need, whatever that, whatever that thing is, it's convincing you that you're not complete and you're not whole until you have whatever that thing is. That's, that, that's sort of how they, how they get to you, right? So they're really good at that. And so happiness is just one step away. It's just, you know, you're not happy right now, but if you buy this, if you click this, you're one, you're one click away, you're one swipe right away, one purchase away, you're one whatever away from happiness. That's, that's the message that we, that we get fed. But that's not what wisdom says, right? You know, wisdom doesn't say that. Wisdom can, is content, with who she is and what she has and, and where she is and the relationships that are in her life. Because it's true, we are only one step away from happiness, but it's, it's not with any of those other things. Wisdom sets her affection on things above, not on, not on things here. Third characteristic of wisdom is she's patient. We live in a society and a culture that values speed. I know I value that. I, I get angry when that little wheel on my show, my Netflix show starts spinning and, and, you know, I have to sort of go back and read those scriptures about not letting your, uh, speak in your anger. Uh, but we want what we want and we want it now, right? That's what, that's what we want. And, and, but wisdom isn't that way. Wisdom doesn't get in a hurry. It, you know, it, 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 just to, I, just to sort of have some fun with this. If you, if you sort of visualize in your mind right now, someone who you think is wise, just picture someone that you think sort of personifies wisdom and who you think is wise to you. So some of you are picturing, you know, that, that old man on the mountaintop, 
Some of you are picturing the, the old man down your street. Some of you are picturing pastor. Not that I would associate that with an old, old man. Um, but, you know, uh, none of you are picturing me, and that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but whoever it is, they're slow, right? Let's, let's be honest. They're, so they're, 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 they're not speedy. They move at a deliberate speed in whatever they do. And I'm not just talking about physically, although that's, that's probably true. But I'm talking about in decision-making, especially the big ones, right? There's a pace and there's a, there's a steadiness and, and there's a lack of speed to, to what they do. In conversation, especially difficult ones, it's not, it's, it's not quick with your words and quick with what you have to say or, or, or quick with comebacks. It's, it's slow and deliberate. Slow and, it, it's, it's a steady pace in virtually every aspect of your life, patience in every aspect of your life. There's wisdom in waiting for the right timing. Isaiah tells us that those that wait on the Lord will be renewed. You know, because that's what God does. He prepares us and then deploys us, right? Because if we try to deploy before we prepare, we aren't ready for what the next step is and what he's given us to do. And again, it's not just in, in, uh, it's, it's, it's not just in sort of the, the, the things that we do. It's also in our conversation. It says in, in James chapter 1, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. We must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Because we have to be measured in our speech, our attitude, and our decision-making, right? Because that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is patient. Wisdom waits on God's timing and understands what that is. The last characteristic about wisdom, wisdom is a learner. And this is really the most important trait of wisdom that I, that I could sort of bring about because it really captures everything else that we've learned about it, right? It's because if you get this one, you get the rest of them. And then there are two ways that she exhibits being a learner. Number one is she's a great listener. So you have to be a listener to be a learner, right? Because you, 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 can't, have, you can't be both a talker uh, and a listener because that just doesn't work. Anybody know the know-it-all? Anybody know that person that just, you know, knows everything or, or you know, whatever the topic is? They've already been there, done that. They, they, they have that. It's, they can't learn anything because they, they've already been there. It's, it's, it's funny. We were, uh, we were going on a trip a couple weeks ago with some, uh, some folks from Court's Work, and she's got this coworker who I was, I was talking to uh, her husband, and we were getting to know one another. And uh, it was funny. I was telling Court later, I was like, man, it's like anything I said, that guy was like, He'd already, he'd already done it, been there, done that. Like he, you know, he's like, well, it's like, yeah, so we took a trip to, you know, uh, the, took a trip to go canoeing and he'd, he'd say, oh yeah, I navigated the rapids, you know, with, with no, no paddles or whatever. He, you know, this guy literally like clown, uh, climbed Mount Everest. He, uh, he was from Brazil. He, I mean, you name it. He'd done it. I told her, I said, I think I found the most interesting man in the world. I found him that it is him. It is that guy. That's who they did the commercials off of or whatever. I think it's him. But it's, but it's, you know, it's funny because wisdom is not that way. Wisdom's not a know-it-all, right? Wisdom listens more than she speaks and more than, and more than she says. And in fact, she approaches each conversation with the mindset of wanting to learn more than wanting to teach. And as the old saying goes, you can't listen if you're talking. She's teachable. And we, we talked about this a little bit before, but wisdom values correction and she seeks out guidance because correction's really hard sometimes, right? It's, it's hard. You know, the, 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 it's hard to hear the things that we need to hear sometimes. And if you really think about it, there's not a whole lot of difference between humility and humiliation. Really, the only difference between those two is our mindset. And are we willing to learn? And because we need correction, it's, like I said, it's hard to hear and, and, and hard to sort of take in the things that we need to hear and the things we ha- we're supposed to hear. But, but 
Proverbs 12 says we must learn to love discipline. And that's, that's really hard. That's really hard. Maybe not for you. It's really hard for me. Um, no one likes being told what they're not good at and what they need to improve in. You know, the last time I, I spoke here on a Wednesday night, I, I sat down with some really close friends and some really good friends, and I, and I asked them, how can I get better? What, 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 what was I doing? What, what, you know, what, what ticks did I have? How could I make my points better? Um, depending on how this is going tonight, maybe none of that sort of worked well. Um, but, but the point is, I, you know, I, I tried, right? It's, and it's, you know, they were extremely, extremely gracious and, and told me some things uh, that were really hard to hear, though. I mean, no, no one really likes to hear you know, how they could get better and, and things they need to improve in. Encouragement feels good, but correction fosters growth. So if I could sort of phrase it this way, I don't need a cheerleader, right? I don't, I don't need a, if I'm going to get better, I don't need someone who's going to tell me what I want to hear, right? My, I don't need my trainer at the gym to be my cheerleader. I need him to help me get better. I don't need my dad to be my cheerleader. I need him to help me understand how I can be a better son. I don't need my spouse to be my cheerleader. I need for them to help, me real, help him or her realize how I can be a better husband or a better wife. I don't need my pastor to encourage me all the time. I need him to help me get better and help me know when I'm being stupid because I'm being stupid a lot. And so I need him to help me understand that, right? And, you know, obviously in all of those situations, there's a balance because there's, you know, it, too much correction without love isn't appropriate either, but there needs to be a healthy heart and a, and, a, and a healthy mindset of wisdom where we seek correction to get better and embrace it when it comes. You know, just to sort of say it a little differently, I'm willing to embrace the pain of correction to see the results of growth. Because we choose growth, that growth is a choice and growth takes some pain. I talked about that a little bit last time I spoke, but, you know, e- you know so even if we're getting correction and even if that correction, frankly, is ungodly or unwarranted, it, it might not come from a source you think it can come from. It can still help us grow and it can still, it can still be used to make us better. And, and, but we have to be a learner. So wrapping up a learner and, and sort of wrapping this up, four, four things that learners do. Learners initiate. They proactively seek correction and, 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 and seek that out. Learners are implementers. So don't just learn about it. Do it. Go do it. Implement it. Learners are, and third th- thirdly, learners are consistent improvers. That's that sort of constant state of getting better, right? I constantly want to be better. And lastly, learners inspire others. They, they move outside of themselves and they start giving back to others and, and, and start taking it after they've improved themselves. They start moving that outward and, and, and sort of helping others. So we've talked a little bit about wisdom tonight. And, the, you know, the, and, and just to sort of wrap this up, the word talks a lot about wisdom and honestly, we could do an entire series on it because I've only just scratched the surface and I probably botched some of what I scratched. Uh, but, you know, it's a silly illustration sort of with the sort of the match thing, but it's a serious topic, right? How wise are we? How, how wise are we? Are we, you know, we, how well would we match up with wisdom? Would we be a 30% match? 50% match? What, wh- how are the characteristics and the wisdom that we displayed how does that match with God's vision of wisdom and how he want, what he wants for us and what he wants for our lives? So, you know, I, you know whatever it is, what do we need to get better in? I, I don't know. If you're like me, there are quite a few things, right? Quite a few things we need to get better on and need to work on. Um, and, and my desire is for God's wisdom in my life. And I want God to nudge me, right? Going back to the nudging we talked about earlier. Nudge me in those areas that I need to improve in. So is anybody with me? Anybody want to get better? Anybody want to, want, want to be wise? I know I do. I could use it. So 
Just in conclusion tonight, um, I, I, I want to thank you all for coming. I, I, can we just have some, some, some contentment tonight and some just smiling faces around the building as we leave tonight? Um, maybe we can high-five some folks and, and tell, you know, compliment them. Tell them if they were on a Match.com profile, they would look amazing. They would just be just, just stunning, stunning looking. All right, let's pray, and I'll let you dismiss. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the outline that you laid out for us and, and the wisdom that we need to have in our lives. We pray, thank you for the, the things that, that as we're digging in, you're convicting us, God, about those things that, that you want us to change and that you need us to change to take to that next level. And I pray that you would point those out to us and you would nudge us in the direction that you want us to go and help us to understand how to be wise in the vision that you have of wisdom in our lives. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Y'all have a blessed week. Go around, shake somebody's hand, give them a high five, tell them you love them. Thank y'all.